Welcome back to Crosstalk, the cross-table discussion about cross-type topics. We don't have a table, but we do have fancy new microphones. You don't really need to tell them we don't have a table. They'd never know. Yeah, true. But <laughs> if you're listening, if you listened to last week and now you're listening to this week, you're probably like, wow, there's no ambient noise behind them. That's nice. That's because Bryant is ni- Bryant's very nice and good at his job. And he was like, hey, I got these really fancy mics that we can get real quick. And Well, and let's easy. be honest, he... Uh... He knows about that. We don't. Oh yeah. We thought we were using fancy stuff. Oh no. When I listened, <laughs> when I listened back, I was like, "What is that sound that's constantly going?" And I went, "Oh, that's just the room." Yeah, <laughs> it might have been the heater that we had going on. Well, that's in true. Because I was, it was like sixty when I got in here. It's all good. Originally, it's all good. Um, I'm Sam O'Banion. That was Nick Pannone. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking Philippians here in this extended Bible study thing called Crosstalk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're in Philippians one still. You're catching us early. Yeah, that's right. It's second week. Yeah, second week and moving through what is known as the prison epistles. Correct. Yes, so, which means that Paul wrote these epistles from his time in prison. Yeah, yeah. Cool beans. Well, hey, last week we started with the introduction and really got into what Philippi is and via Ignatia and traveling through Macedon. Yeah, we squeezed an hour out of just two verses. We sure did. And so. then, uh, <laughs> so that was one and two. You can check that out on wherever you get your podcasts, except Apple. Yeah. Because Apple's website doesn't even work right now for podcasting. Yeah. So it's, right. it's forbidden fruit anyway. It, so. uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, anyway, yeah, so, I'm sorry. We'll move on. Yeah. Uh, but we're in Philippians three. Well, excuse me, Philippians one three through eleven. And go. so let's just jump in. Nick, yeah, we'll jump in. Um, I'll, I'll read this, but I just want to point out that this is uh, often pointed to as kind of the standard bearer to an introduction of Paul's mm-hmm. letter and letters. And if you wanted to study, say, ancient epistles or ancient letter writing which there is a lot, I mean, there's professionals who do this. Yeah. This is oftentimes used as an example of how this works. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and jump into it and point out a couple things um, as we go. So uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making, uh, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be approved, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of cool things going on there. Um, I, if you're if you're tuning into this, you're probably gonna say this is a big giant word study, and it kind of is mm-hmm. <laughs> as we move through this to kind of understand what Paul is setting up and what he's doing, and also the really personal nature. Of, of this. There's not a lot of generalities that, that's going on here. Yeah. yeah. No, very pointed and on purpose stuff. I yeah. Guess is the way you'd it, say it. It, and some of the words are uh, the syntax, even, mm. is <laughs> really personal. Yeah. So, for sure. Well, should we jump in? Yeah. All right. Let's go. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, just kind of looking at this from a little bit broader view, uh, we introduced this idea with our uh, the previous week um, mm-hmm. in, in some of the introductive things, but we're going to talk about this, or I'm at least going to mention this a lot. Um, kind of a guiding thing for us to sort of understand what's going on is what we're calling the incarnation principle. And the idea of, uh, again, the personal nature of this, but it's here's what's sort of lived out. It's an experiential way of understanding the church and really the individuals in the church mm-hmm. and and sort of how Paul deals with the church and it culminates from the idea of Christ uh, incarnate yeah <laughs> so the the Christmas story has everything to do with this essentially this is a Christmas epistle it, it really is uh, it, we read here we we get to see Paul's praise his petition his prayer a um, lot of different commentators I saw really kind of boiled this down to two different movements. So 
uh, in starting in verse three, we see the first movement. Uh, I thank God, and then in verse nine, we uh, we see another movement. This is my prayer, mm-hmm. um, and and we see how this all works. So, with uh, three through eight, we we see the th- essentially Paul's thanksgiving, and maybe your your Bibles have a subheading that says Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving with, and prayer, is Thanksgiving what mine and says. prayer, um, which is. Kind of exactly what you just said. It, it <laughs> like, really, I thank my God, and it is my prayer. It really is. This isn't something you have to mine. You, yeah. you see this. So he he qualifies his thanksgiving, okay? So I think with joy, and I'm confident, and then really sort of the pro- the properness of it, the propriety of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is right for me to feel this way. So Yeah. yeah. I thought that was an. I'm excited to get to that verse. I thought that was an interesting choice of words that he. I, I, there is some stuff in here that's very unique to Philippians. Yes. Okay. There's a couple times where I clicked on the word, like because I have that like program. Mm-hmm. I clicked on the word and I was like here and maybe one other place, and you're like, okay, why? That's crazy. And it is. So word. really, the work we're doing here is okay. Is this exclusive to Paul and his letters, or is this exclusive to Christians? Mm-hmm. And there, it's it's. If, for nerds like you and I, it is a fascinating thing uh, to to jump through this. So let, let's look at verse three. Start at verse three. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we need to emphasize that this sets everything up. Uh, Philippians is not Philippians without this 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 verse right here. Uh, so I think, uh, or I think, or I have Thanksgiving. Uh, it comes from Eucharisto, Eucharisto mm-hmm. all right? So very common word in the church, in the scriptures, in what uh, what we get to experience through worship services and mm-hmm. things like this. But here's the thing. I think the we're going to get into some cases of, of nouns and cases of sentences, but this comes from the nominative case, so the subject mm-hmm. of, of this. And everything from verses 3 through 8... Modify Eucharisto. Yeah. So we need. It's important. It's imperative that we that we emphasize this. And for Paul, his thanksgiving for the Philippians was a result of their love of Christ and his love of Christ. It's not at, from a result of his like persuasive speech. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And so uh, he. And it's also not a reaction to his circumstance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I thank God for all of you, or in my remembrance of all of you. Mm-hmm. Not I thank God because of my chains at the moment. Yeah. Right? He'll get into that. But for our context for this section right here, it's important for us to know this. Every time I remember of you, I have a friend who who I think he coined this phrase. If not, he stole it and he owned it. Okay. Um, he tells me all the time, righteous. Uh, what do you say? Righteous reminders. Okay. Oh, yeah. Righteous reminders, righteous reminders. And it's those things where like we're not telling someone something because they don't know it. Mm-hmm. We're we're talking about it because it's related to the gospel. And yeah. the gospel bears repeating. And it bears repeating to people who have already accepted the gospel. I mean, that's like a main theme of Galatians that we went it, through. It like is. just the idea of like you already know this. Like what are you doing? This mm-hmm. is a righteous reminder. That you know what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Right now. Paul's not informing the Philippians of the love of Christ. Yeah. Okay. He is speaking in that love. And for him, the members and the individual members of Philippians are righteous reminders of thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't some thing he just throws words at. And I think thanksgiving is one of those things we tend to do. Uh, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very religious thing for us to do. Yeah, I would, I would even argue that we don't um, we don't use Thanksgiving often enough, and when we do, it is that kind of Christianese. Yeah. yeah. Like, let me just throw this word out there: we should be thankful and then call it good. Or I'm praying for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Are it, we gonna? We can break into a different podcast of church words that need to be retired. We we sure can, and and I'm not sure they, that they should be retired. I'm sh- I I would argue that they should Modified. actually be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the point I think that Paul's making every time. In all my remembrance of you, I thank God. Mm-hmm. Right. I thank God. Now, 
verse four? Not yet. Oh, okay. Hold saying, on a second. Because verse four is the clunkiest in ESV I've ever read. It yeah. is very clunky. I, I think those that translated the ESV uh, do a marvelous job, first of all. I think they were kind of like, what do we do here? They went, I think, with a very wooden. Possibly. Like, I'm just going to just stick to the words and call it good. Except for they, they, they mixed up some order. Some word Fair. order. Okay. So before we jump into that, though, there's something that, that gets introduced in verse three that kind of it'll show back up throughout the rest of our text here. Mm -hmm. It's the word in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, typically in the Greek language, the where where we translate our so in the ESV, it's I thank my God in all my prayers. All right. So the word in in the Greek is actually the Greek word n. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if you transliterated it, it would be e n mm -hmm. uh, into English. Now that's not the word that's in Greek that's used here. That's not the that's not what he picks here. He picks the word epi. Mm -hmm. All right. Now epi is so dependent on syntax of the sentence structure, and this is this is also why verse four is all wonky because we don't know where the sentence begins and ends and all that stuff. Yeah. But it's also the translation of it. It's such a small word, but can be translated into so many things. Um, for us here, it is connected to what's known as the dative case. And, the, and it's much like when we've talked about the genitive case. There's different things going on in the genitive that are yeah. really weird. Dative has just a couple things. And for this specific thing, it's locative. All right? So <clears throat> I remember you, or I thank God in all my remembrance of you. So the location is in remembrance, mm, yeah. all right? So uh, it, 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 it's, it's an emphasis of, actually, when I think of you, it leads me to thanksgiving. Mm, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, Okay. sure. Um, it, it, also, if you're reading this, and I mean, if you just take a moment and just go, okay, what kind of church does that, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's not his... Reaction to every le to every church that he writes to, mm -hmm. but man, when I think of you guys, the default setting I have is Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. I think about that as like whenever you know, whenever like I'm trying to think of a good example. If something were to go wrong on a Sunday morning, uh -huh. but there was a volunteer that's always there and mm -hmm. just kind of swoops in and takes over. It's like, oh, thank God for him. Yeah. Like you are almost always finding yourself saying that because there's always there to help. Yeah. It's so, a it's a it's a refreshment. Yeah. And so right. that's yeah, Paul's like, thank God for you. Like, yeah. Good, good it, night. It's not that the Philippians have everything figured out as a church no. here. I mean we're gonna we're gonna run into this. Yeah. Right. They've got some issues. But man, the thought that Paul has of the individuals that make up the Philippian church Brings him to a space where he goes, I thank God. Yeah. I thank God. Verse four. Hmm. All right. So how do we begin modifying? We begin qualifying the thankfulness here. Yep. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Yeah, totally. So, okay, here's the interesting thing. When you read this in the Greek, it starts out with joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get just these word fragments and phrases. It, it reminded me of the way uh, like a comedy writer would write somebody trying to stumble mm -hmm. over words. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's just kind of all at once. It, but, uh, yeah. It, so with joy, always in every. Mm -hmm. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. But with joy is before that. Now here's where we begin our really kind of big word study stuff going on here. So first of all, always, pantote, mm -hmm. okay? And then with every, the word every is pas, yep. okay? They're, they're words that are connected to each other. It is very much a play on words, but it's for the sake of emphasis. It's not for the sake of exaggeration, mm -hmm. right? He's not trying to convince you that every time I pray, I always pray for you. He's emphasizing that with joy which is connected to the thank Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. with joy, when I pray for you, I'm always bringing this to God in Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also a foundational verse uh, for personal prayer, okay? 
this is not about his location of or where prayers prayer happens although we see that in scripture we see this with uh samuel's mother hannah Mm -hmm. right every time she came to the tabernacle or to the the tent of meeting she prayed and was overcome with emotion when she did this is not um a corporate worship prayer uh and it's not even a pastoral professional prayer but it is uh, it is always in every prayer of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the word mu right there, of mine. Uh, it is, it really is just the, you want to know how to pray personally? There it is. Yeah. Right there. there it, it, <laughs> always and in every prayer of mine for you with joy. Yeah. Yeah. Verse five. Yeah, let's keep oh, going. Okay, verse five. Um because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Again, another qualifier or another modifier of, of Thanksgiving yep. with this. Um, and we have the word epi again. Okay. So in the ESV, because of your partnership in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's connected to this, this uh, partnership or this... Um, maybe your translation says fellowship or um, partner, uh, we say partnership, um, fellow worker or mm-hmm. fellow workman. It is the Greek word koinonia, all right? <clears throat> now, I've got, you're going to know everything you need to know about koinonia, <laughs> but it is such a fantastic and important word mm-hmm. uh, in, 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 in the church in, for, the, for the Christian because... Uh, of my partnership or my fellowship with you. So koinonia, it refers to the intimate Christian spiritual community, right? Kind of the way to remember this is the church coined koinonia. Yeah. Yeah, the church coined it. Now, here's here's the thing. I, I don't know how to stress this enough. It is an absolute foundational identifier of the Christ follower. The way the... Christians related to one another is how the world around them, especially in the Roman Empire, identified them. Mm. There were two things that, that stuck out to that 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 essentially the Roman citizens considered weird. Okay, um, and but it, it 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 made the Christian living in the first century just kind of pop. First of all, you worshipped one God. Strange. Yeah. Second of all, the care that you had for one another was bizarre, and it was this koinonia, okay? Mm -hmm. It was the koinonia. It's mentioned 19 times in the New Testament, um, and it absolutely confounds polytheists. Paul uses it three times in his letter to the Philippians, and Philippians is not a very long letter. And then there's a handful of other times where he uses words that's connected to koinonia. One of them's in our section that, that, that we're studying right now. Fun fact... Koinonia was also the final word that was spelled correctly by 14-year-old Karthnik Namani in the 91st Scripps National Bee Spelling Bee in 2018. Uh, define fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is from McKinney, Texas. Uh, really doubling down on this, I'm huh? doubling down on this. Okay. Yeah. Did you know that there were 519 people who qualified for, the, for that spelling bee, which is the most ever? What is happening right now? And it ended on the word koinonia. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, okay, here's the reason why I point that out, honestly. <laughs> okay. All right, there, I was actually going somewhere with it. It's such a, it's such a thing. It became such a thing, and it started with how, the Christ, how Christian people related to one another. Mm-hmm. But it became such a thing that ministries have, have grown out of that. And then there's other types of services that have, if, if you Google the word koinonia, and you just kind of searched a couple pages, you see all kinds of types of services that yeah. have developed out of that, that it has become part of the regular common language. Mm-hmm. And it ended up in the spelling bee. And that was 1971, the, you said? 2018. Oh, 2018. 2018. I thought you said 19. No. Oh, man. 2018. I don't know. Yeah. I'm pulling 1971 out of something. Yeah. Just so you know, Karthnik Namani is now 17 years old. Interesting. There you go. But I just did quick math, though. Being a little, I'm going a little fast and loose with the word interesting, but uh, it is because that's not so, like I feel like that is something that 
was coming waning the idea of koinonia mm-hmm. as like a like oh let's promote this idea of koinonia and this mm-hmm. word was waning when i was in school like when i was in junior high and high school because i think this is the first time i've thought about the word koinonia since maybe freshman year of college okay so i'm gonna argue that it is something that the church in large today is not mindful of uh i 100 percent agree um now uh, the, this gets sound soapboxy, but it's really more preachy. Okay, um, I think this is this is the definition of the incarnate principle or mm. incarnation principle. Yeah. All right. That fellowship, and when I say fellowship, I'm not talking about you know donuts. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm talking about the intimate Christian fellowship, the community that we experience, the the knowledge that we belong. Right, um, has a very, very much a kind of a horizontal nature to it. All right, it is impossible to be the church without relating to others who are the church as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it, Paul's going to use this to he's going to capitalize on this idea and associate it with the with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so our our bond is the Holy Spirit essentially, and that's going to be in chapter two, and then in chapter four, it's. It's fellowship in suffering, mm. right? Yeah. And that's what Christians do. We suffer together. I'm going to say we've got to be very mindful, and this is going to maybe rub some people the wrong way, but it is very hard to be a part of the koinonia with a screen. Mm. Yeah. And I think screens can be tools. I think what we're doing right now is very much a content thing, but yeah. you cannot just be a content-based Christian. Mm-hmm. You have to be a face-to-face Christian. Yeah. And, and I get we're in pandemic, and I get there's health things that we got to pay attention to, things like this. But to walk with Jesus is to be with others. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... <clears throat> excuse me. I think that's fair, and I don't... I don't think that ought not ruffle feathers because you're not saying like <laughs> if you're sick or mm-hmm. potentially need to stay home because you could get very sick, mm-hmm. that this is a bad thing to stay away for a time. Right. But at some point you do need to consider what fellowship am I having? I, I just I think that's fair. I think it's problematic if our connectivity is a screen. Exclusively and only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that it, koinonia is risky, mm-hmm. and it is a risk that we are called to take. Why? Because of the things that we're going to study about it, because it's the spirit that, that bonds us, not a screen, yep. not content, by the way. Like, we cannot just be exclusively content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there are churches that that's what it is, and that if you were going through a crisis, they would never know, because y- y- when you're when you're done watching, you just shut the lid. Yeah. And if you uh, step into temptation or if you step into sin, they're not walking with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we have to. Uh, that is the call for this. It is impossible for us to thank God in all our remembrances of you if we don't have a remembrance of you. Yeah. Um, I cannot stress koinonia enough. Um, and so it leads me to ask this question, how do Philippians fellowship with Paul? Well, he calls it, a gift, he calls it a continuing the ministry, he calls it suffering, he calls it even in association with following Jesus. Um, and in this, in, in verse 5, uh, because of your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now, um, that the gospel is not only the environment of koinonia, it's the goal mm-hmm. of koinonia. It's the, the nature of the gospel is to bring into the fold. Yeah. Um, gospel is another one of them words, man, euangelion, and we've talked about this word before, but it is used nine times in Philippians, nine times. Um, it's proclaimed, it's defended, it's advanced. Uh, it is movement of God through history perpetuated by God's human spokesperson. And 
gospel is not a one-way street. Gospel is not just the preacher, mm-hmm. but it is the response of the congregation to the preacher. Yeah. And we we join in fellowship with this, and, and it requires some intimacy, it, re- it requires some vulnerability, it requires weaknesses to be known. And I, I, I think that's what prevents us from experiencing that koinonia. And I... Honestly, it's not so much about letting you know what my weaknesses are. It's me confronting my own. Yeah. I, I think those two things that you've already mentioned go hand in hand. There's no intimacy on screen. Correct. Like you can be anything you want to be. And that's, but that's easier mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's less scary. Sure. And so, but that's like, I, I think that could be a part of a synonym for koinonia, intimacy mm-hmm. and intimate relationship yada 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 more to that because koinonia is such a deep word that you can't really just go oh well it's just like this and, so and so it. i came up with a little bit of a formula for that okay okay so koinonia plus euangelion equals incarnation hmm. yeah and uh i'll say it one more time <laughs> koinonia plus euangelion equals incarnation fellowship plus the gospel equals the experience, mm-hmm. okay? It equals the experience. Yeah. And that it has to be, man. No, we, we don't just come to the experience, but we are the experience. Yeah. Right? For sure. Jesus, Jesus didn't say you will be saved, right? He saved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it has to be that. It absolutely has to be that way. All right. So this feeds into verse 6. Again, more modifying this idea of, of, of Paul's thanksgiving. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, or the day of Jesus Christ. Sam. Yeah. This was the absolute first verse I ever memorized. Nice. The absolute first one. <laughs> now, I memorized it in the NIV, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it's, a, it's, it's the go-to. It, it, if I was stranded on an island, that's what I would know. Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't have scripture in front of me, that's the verse I know. <laughs> uh, you can thank a guy named Matt Clayton for that. Uh, confidence, though, man. Um, it's cool to hear Paul talk about confidence. Mm-hmm. Especially in his circumstance. <laughs> Especially in his circumstance, which ought to inspire us to have ours in our circumstance. Mm-hmm. Okay, Papoythos. 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 Confidence, certainty, surety and it's not in him it's not paul's not saying i have i have confidence because i mustered it up mm-hmm. right it's confidence in god's work i am sure of this i am confident of this that he god who began a good work in you will also bring it to completion at the day of christ jesus yeah yeah um so it's god's work it's not Paul's persuasive ability. Like you are not following Jesus because I was so skilled in persuade in persuading you. Mm-hmm. But it's He who began the good work. Yeah. Right. Then on top of that uh, is the good work itself. It's the calling and it's Christian maturity. Right. We are not finished yet, and the reason why we are not finished yet is because we know that Jesus has not come back yet. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So there's still work going on. There's still work going on. The work's ongoing until the day of Christ Jesus, uh, which is the return of Jesus. And if Jesus isn't back, then the work continues. It means we have not reached full maturity yet. Yeah. Um, and then I have this quote, and I can't. I don't know who said it. I just have it in quotations. We must... Oh, no, no, no. I know what it is. This is from John uh, 9.4. We must work the works of he who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. That's the call. Yeah. Yeah. What do I do until the day of Christ Jesus? You work the works of he who called you. Yeah. 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 I just like the juxtaposition of those two verses. Uh, I'm joyful because of our koinonia and the good news from day one. And that reminds Paul of like, which uh, I'm confident and the good work that will be there until the end, until it's yeah. complete in the last day. Yeah. So from first day to last day, I just love that. Well, and it's an encouragement not to be overcome by our circumstances, right? Yeah. Uh, that whatever it is, and it could be our own sin, it could be someone else's sin that we're feeling the the, the, the that reverberates into our <laughs> into mm-hmm. our own lives, and we're not overcome by that, but we're confident. 
that the one who began good work in us is going to continue the good work and complete it at the day of Christ Jesus when the day when he returns. Yeah. Now, the day of Jesus filters in the rest of this passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, filters in the, the the rest of the the these verses. But verse 7. Yeah. All right. This this is one I think you mentioned a little while ago. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. A huge verse, uh, like just lengthwise, but just some interesting yeah. ideas. Okay, why don't you name some that pop up? It is right for me to feel this way. Yeah. If anything, I would argue that it's, I don't know, morally ambivalent. Would that be a good way to say it? I don't, I don't think there's a, had he not put this in, I wouldn't have thought of the morality of feeling this way for the Philippians. You know, see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. because it is right for me. I immediately think, like, the right thing to do. Like, this is a morally good thing for right. me to be doing. Right. And even the word uh, "dikaios" mm-hmm. means like righteous. Mm-hmm. So this is a righteous thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Like, is it? It's just you're. It's it is a morally and ethically righteous thing that I feel this way for you. Like. I think it's such a weird cultural thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, We have this bizarre thing in culture where we follow our emotions almost exclusively. Mm. And then we have this weird thing in our culture where we say emotions are lies. (laughs) Right? I think there's a theology of emotive things here. And I think feelings are connected to something. I don't think we, I don't think we should be Jedi's and trust our feelings. Mm. I think we should explore them. I think we should ask why do I feel this way? There's some kind of underlying belief that's led to some type of thought that has caused me to feel this and then most of the time it leads us to do something. I'll even give you one more mm-hmm. uh, on top of that. I think it that's good. I think we need to learn more words about feelings. Correct. I am mad. No. What are you? Are you angry? Are you, uh, what's another? <laughs> I have immediately forgot all my mad words. Well, uh, but, but, but it's not even just that. It's incensed. Asking, yes. One. Well, I, okay. Why am I incensed? Yeah. What is it that I believe about this person, about God, about myself mm-hmm. that m- has led me to feel incensed, angry, uh, frustrated? Yeah. And understanding that there's a difference between being frustrated and enraged. <laughs> like right. what and exploring, I think that it goes into that of how are you feeling? I'm mad. Well, what kind of mad are you? I'm mm-hmm. frustrated. Okay. Well, I can work like let's work with that. Let's mm-hmm. dive into what does it mean to be frustrated mm-hmm. in this. And it's always connected to something that you believe. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I would I would argue and emphasize that it actually is connected to what we believe about God. Now as I say that, I don't think it's easy. I don't think it's easy for us. That's a work. Oh, yeah. That, that's, a, that, that's something that there's an exploration that goes with that. And it's not always. It's not going to always be fun. Mm, <laughs> like, if you no. explore, why am I happy? Well, yeah, that'll be fun. Like, I'm happy because of these things. But yeah. if you have to spelunk into your soul of oh, why am I... <laughs> enraged that my dog vomited on the carpet. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, no, now I have to peel back the onion of, well, what in my belief, in my past, in my whatever, Mm -hmm. would lead me to be mad at a dog for Mm -hmm. doing this or whatever the case may be. I think if we, first of all, Scripture says to examine yourself, okay? Mm -hmm. And it does this all over the place. And I think it's connected to this theology of emotive things. You ready for me to say something really controversial? Yeah. I, I actually think it solves our political crises. <laughs> That's fair. I, I really do. I think it solves I think it solves our political theological issues when we practice a healthy theology of emotion. Yeah. I really do. I really do. It boils back down to things that we believe and then hearing and listening to what others believe, and we realize then uh, that we can have compassion on someone who thinks and believes something completely different than me because we go, oh, 
that is a child of God, or, oh, that is a lost person just like me. Mm -hmm. And there's a connectiveness to that. Um, I have one might say a koinonia to that. <laughs> uh, and and I, I think it brings us I think it brings us to that. Some fascinating things in that verse. Anything else in that verse that maybe you noted um, or you had noted on there? Uh, no, the only thing I, the only other thing I put was uh, partakers yes. being sakoino so oh gosh. Sakoinonus. Yes. Which is literally joint partners. Joint like partners. We are together in this. Also from the word koinonia. Yes, we are koinonias in this. Yes. Ko yeah, it's sug and then koinonas. Yeah. Koinonus, excuse me. Uh -huh. um, I did read one thing that I liked, um, the idea of joy coming out of grace. I can't, I forgot the book downstairs, but mm -hmm. he went through the, this writer went through the idea of um joy and grace going hand in hand and it's the idea of charis and kara which are the two words for grace and joy right but i'm not going to mention that because i don't remember what it's well uh, but i i actually do think it's <laughs> worth mentioning i'm glad you you brought that up first of all i wrote down the word partakers the sud koinonos yeah good luck yeah uh the typical Greek smashing a bunch of words together here, but next to it, I just wrote the letters IP, incarnation principle. Mm -hmm. Incarnation principle. That you are partakers. You, uh, first of all, Paul says, right for me to feel this way because I hold you in my heart. <laughs> yeah. Right? And uh, for, you are, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The full experience of the gospel. So the mm -hmm. calling to something and the calling for something and the calling to go somewhere. Yeah. Right. And we're all doing this together. You're not, Paul in prison by himself is not isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, fantastic verse. I, just, just a great one. Um, but it, 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 it's capitalized in verse eight. All right. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. If you just picked verse 7 to kind of understand how emotions work in theology, mm -hmm. you're going to miss something if you don't read verse 8. Yeah. Okay? First of all, it's an oath. All right? I'm not just throwing words to you. God as my witness. I swear to God, this is how I feel about you. Yeah. Right? And then the word yearn there <laughs> is not a common word. No. <laughs> not a common word at all. Uh, uh, epipatho. There's our word epi again, by the mm -hmm. way. Epipatho. It is a, uh, the, 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 the stuff I read on it is, uh, declares it a distinctly Christian word. Hmm. Distinctly Christian word that I long, I yearn for something. Uh, for Paul, he says, my affection for you, right? That for God is my witness, how I epipatho for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And the word affection, possibly my favorite Greek word of all time. Okay, you said the word spelunking yeah. earlier. Okay, it is the Greek word spelognon, right? Spelunking comes from that. Yeah. And it means to go in, right? To go to the depths. Mm-hmm. There's not really a translation for this word because they didn't know what it meant. The best one I saw was entrails. It's a it's a biological word. Yeah. It's for something that you feel deep within but you don't know where the location is. Guts is another one. Sometimes if if it is an anatomy say you're in a human anatomy class or a, a biology class that you might be talking about intestines. Um, but Paul has such a yearning or a feel or an emotion of pain or long suffering for them it comes from the deepest places of the human experience hmm. um, in other words i miss you so much and i can hardly stand it it is like the most emotional word that you could possibly use in the greek language and coupled with uh a very christian word <laughs> like the uh almost christian specific word mm -hmm. of uh, epipatho. 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 Yeah. Epip yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was yeah. trying. To, I was going to try and do it fast, but it's impossible. It's really impossible epipatho. to do. Yeah. Epipatho. There we go. Ah oh, man, such a, 
such a such a deep verse, man. Mm-hmm. Such a deep verse. Well, we've got three more to go. Yeah. Okay. So verse nine gets us into the second section here, Paul's prayer or his petition, right? Um, so he launches into that, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. I think that's my favorite verse of the of the grouping. Okay. Um, well, tell us why. Knowledge and all discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, actually, let me backtrack. Yeah. So I pray that your love may abound more and more. Um, I just, first of all, enjoy that he's like, you have such love. I just hope that more and more people can see. I hope right. it's abounding. Right. But I hope it comes with knowledge and all discernment, which the Greek words is why I like this. Uh, epignose, mm-hmm. uh, which is knowledge, but reading into it, I like that it, there's a, uh, a Greek book I have said that it's not just knowledge, like a general knowledge. Mm-hmm. It is, they described it as a precise and accurate knowledge, mm-hmm. like something that is exact. It's not just a broad thing. You need to have this very accurate, like very true and precise knowledge about these things. So it's two words smashed together, mm-hmm. epi again, yep. and gnosis. Gnosis. Yeah. yeah, gnosis. Uh, ab- absolutely. So literally upon knowledge. So knowledge upon knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's connected to the love that he prays will abound. Yes. Um, and by the way, the love, the word love there is the agape. Mm-hmm. It, uh, bears worth mentioning on this. Agape is sa- sacrificial love or self-sacrificial love. And it's you, you sacrifice because those that, those that practice agape sacrifice because it's always an exchange for something better. Mm-hmm. All right. But it's done only for those mature enough to act in light of the long game. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you you step into pain willingly, or you step into suffering willingly because you know it produces something better later on. Yeah. It's not buying something that you can't afford now because later on you'll be able to own it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some I saw somebody talk about uh, uh, whatever the thrill in Manila when when Muhammad Ali was doing the rope a dope thing. Okay, mm-hmm. that he was taking those punches early. So that later on he could win the match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really, it, it really is that we practice sacrificial love so that that love abounds in epigenosis. Yes, precise okay. and accurate knowledge. Yeah, uh, and then all discernment. The discernment is, oh gosh, eyes they say, which is, it said discernment, but I really like again this Greek book. It was talking about. It's almost, it can be um, also ethical or moral discernment Mm -hmm. or uh, perception, but not just without, like, not just perception of senses, but perception of intellect. Mm -hmm. So you're not only perceiving things that are around you, but you have the, almost the knowledge, the the wisdom to discern what's happening around you. You're able to see what's actually happening. Depth of insight. Yes. And I think... Uh, I talked about this at staff meeting two weeks ago, the idea of uh, interpreting re- reality mm-hmm. instead of uh, instead of looking at what you want, what you're in to be, instead of like, I just wish the church was like this. I just wish my marriage were like this. I just wish this and this were like this. You have the, dis- the ability to have discernment and perception and take in your reality and then actually do something about yeah. it. Yeah, it's connected to other words that have been translated as judgment, but this this Greek word, this eisthesis, mm-hmm. um, it, it's used really exclusively here, and I thought I saw maybe one other place in the Scripture. And it, it's, it really is about a depth of judgment mm-hmm. or a depth of insight that, that you're, you're not seeing what you want to see, but you're seeing what's actually going on. By the way, I think that's how we are able to forgive one another. Hmm. I think it's how we're able to have compassion for one another. I think it's how we're able to um, handle the plight. Yeah. Okay. That we are in hard things 
not because we're necessarily being punished for it, but because there's something bigger going on. And by the way, I don't think that we can come to that understanding without being physically present with one another. Mm. Uh, I think that's what the koinonia does, is it teaches us that there is greater things than myself that's going on. And we can use this eistasis, we can practice this eistasis and experience this. Um, it prevents us from saying, well, I guess that message really wasn't for me, or this, this sermon isn't deep enough. It prevents us from that because we sit there and go, oh, my presence is here because someone needed to hear this. Yeah. And I, I think you're spot on with, with, with that, the, the concept of perception that, that Paul's saying, grow in that. Grow in that, and you can't grow in that unless you're being sharpened with it. And, well, and it ties into the emotive reality as well. You have to be you have to be able to discern your own emotion mm-hmm. and not just go around hitting things and going like I'm mad. Yeah, yeah. You can't be you can't be commanded by them. Yeah, you need to have some level of discernment and knowledge about. Yeah, understand it. Yeah. Um, it also, by the way, introduces two different things that's going on here, known as the henna clauses. Um, and or if you read that in, in, in the Greek, it's the that clauses. So uh, f- f- this specific situation is Paul says, I hope or I pray this, that this outcome. And mm-hmm. then he'll say it again in the next verse, that this outcome. So uh, in verse nine, and it is my prayer, okay, this my prayer, that your love may abound. The, mm-hmm. It's, it's the, the object of, of what's going on. Henna clauses are a big deal in the Greek. Um, yeah. It's it's a it's very much a linguistic thing that, that that goes on a rhetorical tool that happens, but the next one happens in verse ten, um, so that your your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. In verse ten, so that you may approve what is excellent and be so pure and blameless blameless for the day of Christ, or for the day of Christ, and and so we're not just gaining this knowledge knowledge mm-hmm. in this eistasis for the sake of knowing things, yeah. but we're gaining it for a reason, that we may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Um, a, a, another really interesting verse that's going on there, um, it, the that is there so that we might approve that we're capable of testing by trial what is right and wrong, mm-hmm. okay? And it's not for the sake of me saying, Sam, you're wrong, I'm right, um, or pointing out the faults in someone else's space. It's for examining our own, yeah, right? So that we may be, uh, uh, so that we may be pure and blameless, um, which, again, more word study here, but pure. Um, I, I, I like crinase, I, I think, two times in Scripture, yeah. this word's used here. Here in 1 Peter 3.1. Uh, Second Peter three. Yes, excuse yeah. me. That yes. Second Just want to make three. sure I was reading that right. Got a lot of ones right here. No, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. You break down this word. Man, was this a rabbit hole for me? Yeah. <laughs> to go. I'm not going to take you down everything I went down, but it is actually a, a formation of two words. It actually comes from the Greek word helios. Okay. Yeah. Meaning son, and then the Greek word krenos or krenos, meaning judge. Mm-hmm. And so it means to hold up to the sun for inspection. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. That that that's insane. And so how do we know like how how can we how do we know we're pure, right? Well, we grow in knowledge, we grow in discernment so that so that we can approve or we can test what's excellent. And how do we test that? By putting it up to the light. Yeah, yeah. We see, and if you do that, you see the imperfections. That's crazy. You could do a whole sermon just on that word because it's like easy. Sun, sun, U O. Yeah. Hold your heart up to the S O N for to. So easy. Yeah. <laughs> so easy. That quick. That's how you preach a sermon, guys. The, it's <laughs> that simple. Like. Uh, People see us on stage and go, great sermon. It's like, you can do this. Yeah, you have no <laughs> idea. It's, a, it's, it's as easy as finding an inner lean in your Bible and going, oh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it. I hear is you just said, good job reading. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, good job reading. But it is, man, what a wild word. Yeah. What a wild word that the purity is being able to see the imperfections when you hold it up to the light, mm-hmm. which can't be seen if you don't. Yeah. Um. And then blameless, m- more smashing of words together. Apros- 
Kapas, Opus Kapas, something like that. Um, and it, yeah, close enough. <laughs> no, no. Listen to this though. This word can mean one of two things. It can mean to cause to blame or to cause blame, mm-hmm. or it can mean to be free from blame. Yeah. Depending on how you use it, if it's in the active, it's to cause blame. If it's in the passive, it means to be free from blame. Mm-hmm. Again, wild. The, I mean, <laughs> language is so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, language is crazy. Clearly, the context here shows us that we're to translate this in the passive voice. Yeah. Okay. That um, that you might be blameless, or that you might be free from blame, and. Uh, this is one of those things that I think it ca- ca- it ought to cause us to be very honest with ourselves. We don't like the words shame and blame and guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we 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 have very unhealthy reactions to that. But man, to be blameless isn't a therapy thing. It is to do some examination and go, oh man, I, there's reason to be blamed. There's reason to find fault here, and let's do something about it. Yeah, yeah, let's do something about it. So, all right, last verse. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to be pure and blameless for uh, uh, for the day of Christ. Again, more reference to uh, the, the coming of the second coming of Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay. So I, I think there's certain phrases in here that that should be obvious that they stick out. First of mm-hmm. all, this fruit of righteousness. Um, it is not something that you and I can just kind of manifest, but it is the result of righteous activity. Yeah. Okay. And if people have listened to us when we talked about Galatians, they ought to go, oh, yeah, they spent like an hour talking about, mm-hmm. <laughs> about this. Galatians 5.22 mentions righteousness as a fruit of the Spirit, Yeah. right, which enables us to participate in righteous activities, to be held right, to be held up with God, and brings us to that. Um my note here, righteous living protects, then, the church. Mm. It, it protects us from impurity. It protects us from blame. It yeah. protects us from all these things that we have we have just mentioned. Okay? Then the glory of God, right, um, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, and I just started thinking about this. Really, I don't have notes about this. It's It's pretty self-evident in here. But I just have this question. Today, our generations here, does the glory of God matter? I know there's a big, giant question that we're ending with. I don't even think people understand what glory is anymore. Yeah. Like, nobody says glorious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, that's not a word we use. And the only time we might use, I don't even know. Like, I, I hear in some thanks Thanksgiving speeches every now and then. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, even then, I don't think I've. I can't tell you the last time I've heard somebody say like, yeah, I don't know. Other than songs, like, yeah. But I feel like artisans, maybe the the use of the word glory and song is so. Uh, I mean, the word doxology literally means, like, the study of Mm -hmm. glory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I don't think... I mean, we can even go back to, like, Rick's sermon on Sunday about the box. It's like, I think we've put God in such a box that it's not a glorious... Yeah. There's very little glory in it. That he exists for me. Yeah. You know, that that he's this instrument to somehow improve my Mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And completely miss the glory of God to the pray to the glory and praise of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, this could be another sermon. Like we, we, we could draw this out. I I just, I I wonder, I wonder if this is something that we give any mind space to, like, do we consider God's glory? And I'm not taught, I'm not, it's not just an emotive thing now. Mm -hmm. It's, it, it, it's it's accumulation of of it all. Yeah. Like, do bring it to. Like, is God glorified with all this? Like, is He glorified even in my sinful nature? Yeah. Like, do 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 I do I recognize that sin so that He is lifted? Yeah. 
I don't. I think we think about glorify more than we think about glory. Yeah, like, I'll, that's, that's let's good. glorify God today, or yeah. let. Uh, but it's always our action towards God. Let's glorify Him. How are we going to glorify Him with our actions? How are we going to glorify the church, or so on and so on? But we don't even. I think those are again. That's just word salad now. It's just Christianese yeah, for. Yeah, that's a. Good we've we let's go glorify. Let's how can we glorify God today? And it's like. What does that even mean? Like bring glory to God. It means but, to make much of Him. Yeah, but yeah. like we don't think of it like that. It's I, just like I just, it, to glorify today. If I said, "Hey, how did you glorify God today?" Somebody would probably be like, "Well, I read my Bible and I went to church." Yeah, and it would just be about it. But, and, and I think all that's good. I think all that's oh wise. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not. Yeah. I'm not disparaging. You should yeah. read your Bible. You you, that's what church, we're doing but, now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I'm just. I, 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 I get curious with yeah. this. Okay. It, us, yeah, it, it's it's just one of those kind of um, those things where I, I I that goes through my head every now and then. Just mm-hmm. just sort of one of those. Uh, gosh, I, I don't even know how to to phrase this. Do we emphasize this in our own lives and in our own thoughts? Broad strokes, no. I would say, I'm sure there's people that do, even people in our church that do, but I would say broad strokes, m- most of humanity, especially Christianity, does not I might consider. say that this is the most conversation I've had about God's glory in a year, just now. Probably ever for me. It's <laughs> like, so bizarre. That's bizarre to me. I went to Bible college, and I can't remember having like a Bible class about what glory is, or like what yeah. God's glory. Like, let's talk about it for an hour yeah. in class. Yeah, and where it, doxa comes from, which is the Greek word, by the way, just it, it, it is. In in you know, C.S. Lewis writes m- much about it, and he talks about talks about it like a, a it being in 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 a way of weight, mm-hmm. right? So that that the weight is on God, and it's the weight of magnification, mm. okay? That that He carries that, and so that we're not glorified, or that we don't glorify something that that ought not be glorified, yeah. but that the weight is placed on him, and it's to his glory, to his praise. And Paul connects that to his emotions. So I, we see his belief that leads to his thought, that leads to his emotion, and now is leading to his action. Yeah. And, man, that's such a... To, to God's glory... Gosh, if, if, if anybody listening to this takes anything from this, man, just spend some time thinking about it. Like... Turn things off and for ten minutes just think of God's glory. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Just think of it. And I, 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 I'm really curious to know: do we spend? Do we give the mind space to that? Yeah, I've given. I can honestly say I've thought about. My main thing with that is thinking through things in ministry and going: Does this actually glorify God? Mm-hmm. Like, does this actually bring glory to God? I've never stopped and thought. What is God's glory even like? What is that? Yeah. Like you know, to like stop yeah. and thought, like, are asking, are you glorified in yeah. this? Are you are you glorified with me? Mm-hmm. It, it, in 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 doing some some of that examination, that the spelunk known, okay, mm-hmm. um, kind of gut yourself a little bit and 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 pay attention to the entrail here. Yeah, I, and and I know it's messy work, but. Boy, if that's the only thing if you're you, gonna cut anything open, I think that's gonna. Be it, it is, but I'm, we're talking about the self, right? Yeah. We're, we're talking about that's that's a that's a that's a tough thing. I I would challenge you and I. I would challenge mm-hmm. those listening in to to do that. Do do the hard work with that, mm-hmm. and I, I think we're better if we do. For sure, I, I think I think God is magnified by that. It's uh, pruning and honored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's so, not cutting to tear down. It's cutting to grow more. Yes. To prune. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Food for thought there. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all we have, isn't sure. it? Sure. Yeah. Um, so that was Philippians 3, mm-hmm. 1. Nope. Mm-hmm. Philippians 1, 3 through 11. There you go. Next week is 12 through 18. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to post uh, the schedule on the website. So if you're like, I didn't even know this was happening today, that's that's my bad. I just didn't post the uh, the schedule. So yeah. uh, there should be a schedule coming out mm-hmm. that shows you what is going to happen week to week. But next week is Philippians 1, 12 through 18. As always, if you have any complaints, 
gripes, thoughts, questions, concerns, you can tell us we're wrong. I'm Samuel O at SouthRockChristian.com. He is Nick P at SouthRockChristian.com. This is the... You can tell us if something's good, something good's yeah, going on, too. We're okay too. with that, too. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> tell us how you thought about God's glory. <laughs> tell us if you actually listened to the whole thing. I'd love to know. Yeah. I don't get to see... Like, Spotify and Google don't really have a very good Tracking. like metrics, uh-huh. so you can't see how many people have listened all the way through. It's just like, this many people listened at least 10 minutes of at least 10 minutes through it's like okay well 10 minutes is like still the introduction practically Uh we're still goofing around at that Uh point yeah um but yeah so that's it from us here at crosstalk i think that's right (laughs) we'll we'll see you listen to you talk to you next week Uh, if we're listening to you god bless (laughs) i don't know how that's gonna happen but yeah we will see you next week with philippians 1 12 through 18 see ya see ya